So being Saturday night, um, it's become a tradition at these retreats that I, uh, I answer the questions that are left over from our online Sangha members. But uh, I want to start by asking those here if you have any burning questions so I make sure that, uh, that none, of, uh, none of you are uh, unable to uh, get your questions answered and your doubts cleared. If any of the content that has been uh, transmitted so far has not been clear, then uh, please feel free to, to ask. If not, then we shall proceed. First question, I continue to choose God, to know God, but I bounce up and down the ladder of discourse. At times there is so much despair, and I wonder if I just need to wait for grace. What are your thoughts on this? Well, the despair is caused by a particular discourse, and, uh, and usually it's a discourse of... Uh, of feeling the absence of God and the, 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 the rule of uh, evil forces and the sense of hopelessness about the world. <clears throat> All of this is a, a fiction, and that discourse can only bring despair, and it has no reality. So uh, when those kinds of uh, narratives arise, one must witness them and recognize that they are not coming from within. They are a reaction that comes from a, a false self that feels a lack of power uh, to, uh, to deal with reality and to cope with the stresses and the, uh, the, the sense of the, uh, the chaos of the world. But when you recognize that the world is a dream and that uh, you are the dreamer, you are no longer trapped in it and, uh, and you enter that state that we were in in meditation of silent presence witnessing the ego and it can no longer arise. It cannot disturb your peace and despair or any other uh, negative emotion uh, that that the ego might be feeling is immediately extinguished. It's put to sleep. When the self is awake, the ego sleeps. When the self is asleep, the ego is awake. And it's the ego's Saturday night. And you don't want to be there for that. You want to be on the self's Saturday night. That's a very different celebration. So, uh, that would be my answer, is the stillness of self-realization will. And it, since you, you start by saying you continue to choose God and to know God, that choice uh, will overrule the, uh, the emotional reaction of the ego. <clears throat> and it will bring grace. Second question, as we approach Satyuga, 
transcending to the Godhead seems inevitable. Uh, who get the chance to live in Satyuga? Well, okay, uh, according to all of the, the sages' teachings, <clears throat> if you are while alive before the end of Kali Yuga, if you have reached self-realization and become the manifestation of Satchit Ananda, you, you become a, an avatar of the God-Self. And it's that state of consciousness then uh, which is, uh, resonates with the, the consciousness of Satyuga, and you will naturally enter into that, uh, that mode of being which is a, a heavenly realm of magic and miracle and beauty and joy and uh, perfection. Uh, and so the self uh, is easily able to, uh, uh, to, to be um, translated into a Satyuga body and, and uh, enjoy the reward of the efforts of the Sat yoga that you did in the previous life, and your uh, vibrational frequency is able to support and sustain Sat yoga. So naturally, uh, you would be sent to that uh, that location in the space-time continuum of the dream field. However, if uh, you did not awaken to that level and your consciousness remained as a Kali Yuga ego, then indeed when the, the world dream is uh, withdrawn from its manifest form and all return to the unmanifest state of the absolute self, the Godhead, uh, prior to and beyond time and space, when there is no world in that timeless state, Yes, the consciousness enters, but because the sanskaras were not burned, those sanskaras remain in a state of suspended animation. And then one's soul will have to wait to come back into the world uh, at a time, to, to wait for a time in which the world vibrates with uh, conditions that will enable those sanskaras uh, to fit in and uh, to, uh, to find a way to uh, satisfy the inherent desires of those sanskaras, which basically will mean you probably won't be reborn until the next Kali Yuga. If you have done a little bit or, uh, or even a lot of yogic practice but haven't got to realization of the self, you may have gotten to a, a Copper Age level of consciousness or a Silver Age level uh, in your love of God and your, uh, your adoration of divine uh, beauty and goodness and purity, etc. And your consciousness uh, will leave the body in that vibrational frequency and go into suspended animation with whatever uh, sanskaras are there from uh, that uh, time period of your own past soul history and will come back at a, at a time that is uh, uh, 
resonant with, with that frequency that you have, uh, have reached. Okay, so, so everyone will, uh, will find themselves in a world in which their sanskaras are suitable, let's say, and, uh, and make sense uh, because it's a world that will offer opportunities for, uh, for satisfaction or at least for the, the quest for satisfaction. You won't get none, but you'll at least be in a world in which it's offered. <clears throat> but the, uh, if you're in a Kali Yuga frame of, of mind, you would not fit into Sat Yuga. You, you would, you, you wouldn't, you would vi the vibrations of that time would be so uh, non-resonant that, that it would shatter the consciousness. It would not be able to endure the beauty, it would be like, like being a, a, a facing God in a surround uh, mode in, in which uh, this, the eyes of God were looking at you from everywhere and you couldn't handle the shame, the guilt, the sense of uh, unworthiness and there would be a shriveling into nothingness. So you would only enter into Sat Yuga when your consciousness is divinized. Okay, so I hope that answers the question. Uh, when the shadow is coming up to be released, I feel intense pain and suffering of myself and all beings. How can I stay in this presence with love to allow these emotions to be released? Well, again, one has to recognize that it's not your shadow. It's the ego's shadow. And uh, feel compassion and feel love and acceptance and learn from it. Turn the, the suffering into information because the suffering is based on a narrative which always has false assumptions to it. And when you are able to see the false belief that has sustained that shadow figure or that, that sense of, uh, of a suffering entity, uh, then by piercing through that uh, illogical and incoherent belief, uh, it is released. And, and then the light shines uh, through the shadow and uh, dissolves it. So it's a, it's a combination of compassion and divine love and of the wisdom to recognize the illusion and to, and to not buy into it. So there must be a very uh, powerful, coherent, uh, logical capacity to uh, deconstruct the illusory form. Are people who love God <clears throat> still in danger of getting stuck in locating themselves in very lower ego assemblage points and remaining there indefinitely? Also, 
is asking yourself the question, who am I, a possible means to get out of those realms? Well, yes, uh, I think as we just expressed, uh, not simply asking the question, but realizing the answer. Realizing it because the answer can't come in words because the real self is inconceivable. There are no words that can express or describe that, but silent, still presence completely eliminates those uh, lower uh, assemblage point uh, narratives and uh, feeling states. So if you love God, you're already in a relatively high assemblage point and, and that love, uh, if it is combined with faithfulness to uh, the service of God, which is why karma yoga is so important on the path, uh, will get you out of whatever uh, stuckness because you will be uh, functioning for something greater than yourself. And by being in an altruistic state of giving that generosity of spirit that pours out love for all, because all are manifestations of God, is what breaks through uh, the narcissistic uh, defensive posture of the ego. <clears throat> Can a person who has a grave mental health diagnosis achieve a state of mental equanimity required to awaken? I am a recovering alcoholic and I'm on medication for bipolar disorder. Well, again, it's very important to recognize that the psychological self that is the ego is not the real self. The ego is complex, it's made up of different parts, and that's why it has this bipolarity, uh, and it, it, is, uh, it is not in control of itself, but uh, reacts to subconscious forces and to uh, projective uh, forces that, that it externalizes and, uh, and is uh, in a state of instability. But that is not you. And so the key to getting out of that is don't believe the diagnosis because that's only a medical establishment, ideological uh, way of, uh, of weakening you and, and, and turning you into a victim of the system. Because in truth, there's no such thing as, as a mental disorder that is based on, on chemistry or, or any other uh, factors other than your own sensors uh, choosing uh, to withhold certain information and to uh, focus on certain uh, false beliefs that produce anger, hatred, uh, despair, depression, and then a manic compensation uh, into uh, Superman or Superwoman in order to try to escape from that. But this bipolar uh, pattern does not exist in the real self. And once you have attained a place of witnessing it, then uh, the two polarities uh, become unified. And in that non-duality of uh, a monopole consciousness, 
then the stability of, of presence is established. So the answer is yes. Uh, don't think that uh, any uh, diagnosis or any uh, past history uh, is, uh, has any power to prevent you from realizing your freedom in the present. Ah, this question is, is more uh, difficult to, uh, to summarize. Can you speak more on the effects from an abusive father? That's very difficult because it's so, uh, so individualized. First of all, uh, I don't have enough information because a father-son relationship will have different um, conditions than a father-daughter relationship. Uh, was the abuse verbal? Was it physical? Was it sexual? Uh, and uh, what was the mother's relationship to the father? Was she an accomplice? Was she weak? Was she, uh, you know, what was the, the couple relationship? And were there siblings involved? And uh, were you witnessing uh, cruelty to them as well? Or were, were you the scapegoat? And there are so many aspects uh, to uh, the family system that everyone's reaction to abusive parenting it will be different. And I recommend that you work through the individual decisions that were made as a result of that abuse and the internal uh, identification with the aggressor that may also uh, have, have produced a, a very uh, severe and attacking superego that you may also sometimes identify with. Uh, and, and so whatever is the, uh, the, the original situation will have produced uh, unique effects uh, upon the, uh, the ego uh, construct. But again, the simplicity of the real self can overcome uh, whatever of those tendencies are, are disturbing your peace. And when you recognize that the ego has nothing to do with you uh, and you were not abused because this is only a dream, you're not really in it, you're dreaming it. And you had a reason to dream it and a, a trajectory of growth to a higher state of consciousness that required going through that test uh, to overcome whatever anger, bitterness, uh, fear, uh, or, or other kind of uh, <clears throat> effect that it has had on the ego uh, to, to overcome it and be victorious. And through that, uh, to gain a kind of uh, capacity for compassion and forgiveness and love that could only uh, come as a result of going through the rite of passage of uh, letting go of, of whatever traces of, uh, of hatred or self-hatred or of, uh, of loss of faith in the goodness of the real has resulted from that. And, uh, and, and that what is, is the way to then reestablish your divine 
beingness. Is it possible to heal from our traumas? Yes, absolutely, of course. And you have to realize they're not your traumas. They're the ego's traumas. You are simply a witness who was never affected by it. Because the real self is not ever victimized. And, and it is important that you recognize that the I is a consciousness that is all-encompassing. You contain your body and the whole world that appears in your consciousness and is your consciousness, uh, but you are not limited to, uh, to any identity within the consciousness. And so those traumas, which are now simply memory traces that have become sanskaras, have no power over you and, uh, and your ability to burn them and to eliminate them is, uh, it can never be taken away. But there does have to be a choice to recognize that you are the unborn self. And then uh, nothing to do with the traumatized ego can affect you. Okay. How can we differentiate between apathy and non-attachment? <clears throat> Interesting question. You know, the, the word apathy comes from apatheia, which is uh, a very famous term in, uh, in, in Christian uh, monasticism. It comes from the Greek uh, 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 fathers of the church. Uh, and, uh, and it's the highest state you can reach. Apatheia is the equivalent of, of vairagya. Uh, and so you can have two kinds of apathy. One is, I don't care what happens in the world because it's only a dream. It's of no interest to me. I, my only interest is God, and I'm in bliss regardless of what, uh, what is occurring. And uh, uh, I, I have awakened from the dream, and the dream is no longer... Uh, my focus and all I see is light and love and joy and, and God's presence everywhere and, and uh, that's apatheia uh, in, in which there can be no disturbance sometimes it's, uh, it's uh, translated as passionlessness uh, it, can, it can be either one but, but it is that uh, overcoming of suffering and of reactivity. So, however, the other kind of more nihilistic apathy uh, is, comes from a depressive uh, psychological condition in, in which one feels hopeless and uh, that it's not worth uh, participating or contributing creatively uh, because uh, one doesn't have anything to offer, one is empty of any, uh, any goodness or, or creative power, and the world doesn't deserve anything you would give it anyway. So it's a narrative, it's a discourse that will produce the effect uh, of that kind of uh, negative apathy. But as soon as there is non-attachment to the ego, the lower apathy turns into apatheia. 
Next question, is it possible that the ego can go into a psychosis as a defense mechanism when the energy of presence and silence becomes too strong? Interesting uh, question. I don't think you could, first of all, go into psychosis as a defense mechanism. Uh, it would be the failure of your defense mechanisms. But you can only fall into psychosis if you have a latent psychotic structure, or at least a fragment of the ego structure is in a psychotic state. If, if that is not the case, you can't fall into psychosis no matter what conditions, no matter how big a dose of a drug you took or, or how you're tortured or whatever, you won't fall into psychosis if that structure had not uh, already been in place. You may fall into you know, other states uh, of paranoia or terror or whatever, but the, the psychotic structure has, has a very uh, particular uh, origin and uh, and and a uh, a lack of coping that is based on uh, not having achieved a capacity to triangulate or uh, to master the signifier chain in order to modify discourse and free oneself from an initial core of hatred of an intolerable uh, situation of, of lack of love uh, in which um, the, the, uh, the world no longer makes sense. And then one falls into a delusional state that can make sense in its own fantasy of the senseless uh, behavior that's being uh, experienced, but if that structure had not been uh, developed in childhood, then it, it's not going to happen. <clears throat> However, uh, many people are not aware that they have a latent psychotic structure or fragment of a structure, so there could be uh, that, that kind of a... Uh, a possibility that takes one by surprise. And therefore, uh, it is, it, it wouldn't happen as a result of, of one's uh, energy of presence. Uh, that would not trigger the psychosis. Uh, all, all that would trigger is uh, a, an avoidance of the uh, of the energy that uh, becomes a threat to the ego's uh, defenses against love, but it wouldn't. It would not produce psychosis. Other kinds of stresses would be required to do that. I don't think anyone has ever gone psychotic from meditation. I think we're relatively safe in that regard. When filled with unyielding compassion, an interesting phrase, how can one in silence survive while surrounded by those who exploit and deceive? 
I suppose this is a question that maybe a lot of people do have as they see the rule of demonic forces at this period in Kali Yuga. And, uh, and there is a lot of exploitation and deception at every level that is happening. <clears throat> but um, one must not make a narrative about it and if you are in a state of compassion that is based on wisdom and you recognize that this is a, a, a drama and a dream, uh, you will understand that your compassion and your detachment <clears throat> and your refusal uh, to let go of your peace of mind and of your emanation of divine love is the challenge that is, is your rite of passage in life. To not become uh, what your enemy is, uh, is like. So if you were to, uh, to suddenly become from compassionate to angry and, uh, and uh, violent, you would become as bad as those that you were complaining about. So when you recognize that that exploitation, deception, or whatever is your own consciousness and traces of a sanskara that are only there because you were also an accomplice in the fall of consciousness into the Kali Yuga state, then what it should do is to prompt a greater purification of the self so that uh, the dream is modified in accord with that, and then you'll find that life brings you into different circumstances in which that kind of uh, activity is no longer impinging on your space. <clears throat> How do you foresee the situation of Earth social structures in the upcoming year? years. Well, I don't see too many years ahead because the social structures are decomposing before our eyes very rapidly. And uh, the forces behind uh, these, uh, this collapsing uh, global uh, culture or lack of culture, but a dying civilization uh, are being engineered deliberately by forces that, uh, that want to uh, make the human species extinct and, uh, and to take over the planet for, uh, for the use of these forces which are not human in nature. And so there is a, a, a collapse and a, uh, a death of a global sort that is coming as well as a rebirth. But uh, don't depend on the uh, apparatuses of the state and the, the social order to be there for you, whether it's the medical establishment, which I think most people already know is very dangerous and not necessarily benign, uh, but all of the uh, the social apparatuses, uh, 
whether they're police departments, judicial systems, uh, systems of justice of whatever kind, uh, uh, any sort of, uh, of order, of law, of, uh, of, of safety, and of uh, dependability, it's all uh, about to disappear. Even food will no longer be on the shelves of uh, stores and, uh, and such. So everything you might have taken for granted uh, uh, to survive will be taken away. And that's why we must learn to depend only on God. Many times I can see clearly that people are not their bodies. It's very obvious. Nonetheless, I do not recognize this in myself. I can't have the same vision about myself. Why is this? It's a, that's a strange question. But uh, on the other hand, <clears throat> we have been uh, indoctrinated not uh, to, to see ourselves or... or experience or imperience our consciousness as being separate from the vehicle that it is operating. The fact that you can see this as being the case with others, to me, means you're very close uh, to being able to also see that in yourself because it is a projection. And, uh, and once you recognize <laughs> that the other cannot really be different than you, if you see others as souls with bodies, then you, you will clearly be able to perceive that in your own case. But what it probably will require is a very deep meditation in which you reach a sense of bodilessness and you can establish yourself in that, that state. Uh, and, and it is a particular vibrational frequency that you will, it's, it's unmistakable, and it comes when, when you have stilled the mind, and the consciousness is then uh, free of its uh, identification and its uh, localization within the body. How can we deal with the pull toward drugs of all sorts, whether it's food, promiscuity, nicotine, alcohol, etc., <clears throat> that one has been exposed to in the past? <clears throat> well, first of all, I wouldn't create a, a narrative that one is an addict or that one is uh, helpless in the face of... Uh, the attraction of these things, but I also wouldn't uh, villainize the drugs. If you really uh, reflect on why you are attracted to a certain substance, uh, it's always going to be because of the psychological effects it produces. Uh, it may make you more peaceful, it may make you uh, less inhibited, it may make you feel more, uh, more free and at, at home in the world. It may free your intelligence to be able to think more clearly or deeply. Each drug has a certain effect that is there to overcome a lack that is produced by a particular discourse 
and a particular self-image in which certain uh, qualities of consciousness are lacking and require an external input of uh, a chemical substance or, or, or some other uh, kind of stimulation in order to uh, enable that to emerge. And once you recognize that you don't need the drug for your fix, but you can fix that lack simply through changing the narrative, then you'll find that you don't require the substance. Your natural state is joy. Happiness is what we are. Love is what we are. And a state of fulfillment when we are in recognition of our true nature. So uh, the need or the feeling of, uh, of desperation that comes with that sense of, uh, of addictive uh, uh, destabilization if we don't get uh, this thing is uh, a kind of uh, a perverse fixation on a fetish uh, in which we have projected certain qualities of consciousness onto this thing or this situation uh, or this other <clears throat> without which or without whom I feel a lack of, uh, of, of wholeness and of, uh, of, of feeling peace, security, stability, uh, joy, whatever, and recognizing that no, it's produced by a, a narrative, not by reality. And, uh, and you will free yourself from that need. I want to purify myself, go to higher realms, and yet the sanskaras pull me to old patterns very strongly sometimes. <clears throat> I'm able to restrain myself for months on end, but eventually I fall back down to fulfill a very strong craving for a drug. Okay, the same pattern repeats itself. This is, I think it might even be from the same person, this uh, second aspect. But again, uh, it is the narrative that, that puts you in a situation of needing to restrain yourself. So there's an internal battle uh, with a, uh, an ego fragment that thinks it requires this uh, substance for its, uh, its sense of wholeness. And once that narrative is gone, the pattern will, won't repeat. <clears throat> and, and, then, and then I think there's a follow-up to that, which is uh, it's nice to shut up that screaming mind, which is that, that part of the ego that demands the, the addictive uh, objet a, and those uh, craving emotions by giving it what it wants, but then when the experience is over, shame and guilt creeps in. <clears throat> and that's always the punchline to every ego narrative. Uh, it, it, uh, it blames itself, it feels shame and guilt for its weakness, its dependency, um, it, its failure to support itself in, in a, a noble manner that that does not compromise and betray itself and, and uh, lose its self-sovereignty. Uh, so again, this is part of the discourse of, uh, of lack, that the ego was uh, <clears throat> indoctrinated into in childhood 
when it was dependent upon the parents and, uh, and dependent upon uh, certain signifiers of uh, goodness uh, without which one would be emotionally destabilized. <clears throat> and then later, those signifiers get projected onto the addictive substance. So through recognition of your uh, wholeness, that pattern also will be, uh, will be released. Okay, well, I think that's, that's uh, the list. Was this useful to anyone else other than those who asked the questions? Yeah? Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad that it's, uh, it's valuable for the whole Sangha. Are there any others that came in since then? Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste.